Precision Grazing Podcasts meet the farmers and managers taking a pasture-first approach to their business, building productivity, profitability and resilience, whilst improving their environment and achieving a positive work-life balance. To learn more about how the Precision Grazing team can help your business, visit www.precisiongrazing.com and book your online appointment for a chat today. Welcome back to this episode of Precision Grazing's Meet the Farmer. I have had the pleasure of speaking with Neil Davis, beef and sheep farmer from Llangamach Wells. You may know him as a Farming Connect demonstration farmer. And through this, Neil has been lucky enough to receive advice and guidance from Precision Grazing to introduce the paddock grazing system onto his farm. He's changed his systems and is producing more grass and seeing an increase in daily live weight gains. Let's go and find out more. I am talking to Neil Davis, um, sheep and beef farmer from Llangamach Wells. Um, hi, welcome to your kitchen table. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and today we meet, it's a pretty wet and miserable uh, day out there and uh, lovely and warm in here. So um, today we're going to be just talking about uh, precision grazing and um, how you've got on with that. So just as a bit of a let's go back a little bit how have you always been farming what's your sort of backstory uh yeah i've always been involved in the farming um yeah, from, from a very young age to be honest but uh i, I was actually um i done a carpentry uh, course when i left school um before coming back here full time so uh done a few years in college at that and then uh always farming the nights and things and um, decided to do the farming Full time after that, really. Okay. So, uh, when did you come back to the farm then? Um, probably about fifteen years ago now. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it's been a while then. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And before that, you did have your own business. Is that correct? That, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Just a small uh, business employing a couple of people. Um, carpentry. Yeah. Yeah. And how did the opportunity to come back to the farm? How did that arise? Um, well, the, fa- the farm's always been in the family, and um, it was just getting a bit much work for who was uh, farming at the time. So um, yeah. it, was, uh, it was a case of either cutting things back a bit or, um, or me coming back then, really, to, um, to take things over. So that's, that's how it happened. Yeah. So what did you come back to? What sort of farm what uh, systems it, were in place? It was a sheep and beef farm then. Um, Similar sheep, uh, similar sheep system to what we're running now, just um, a bit less numbers. Um, so we just up the numbers a bit on the sheep, but um, the, the the cattle enterprise is quite different, I suppose. Really, it was running suckler cows then, and um, it'd be about uh, four years ago now we changed um, to these dairy beef Angus cross uh, cattle. So um, that's been quite a big change in the system, really. So, so what sort of sucklers did you have? They were um, uh, Belgian blue uh, cross Frisian um, cows, and we'd put a limble on them then. Oh, so quite the mix there, so big bottoms and a bit wild. Yeah, that's, that's about it, really. <laughs> yeah, that's about it, yeah, you uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So what sort of, you know, like, obviously, they were sort of good double-muscled and pretty good weight, but what sort of problems did you see with that sort of cross? Um, yeah, it was obviously... Um, uh, calving was an issue, but we we tried to keep quite an easy calving limbal, um, so that wasn't um, that wasn't a massive problem. And obviously, with the cows being half 
uh, dairy, then uh, there wasn't um, there wasn't too much blue in them. But um, the, yeah, it was just the the intense work, the labour costs really, and obviously that um, that increasing cost of keeping the cow for the year. Um, that, that was um, that was probably what pushed us the most to look at other opportunities. Yeah, and then the sheep. What what's uh, like what sort of breed are they? Yeah, so we we keep mainly it would be um, an Epant hardy speckle ewe. Um, relatively small ewe really, uh, sort of 50-55 kilo ewe, um, um, grazing out on the Epping Mountain um, majority of the time. Yeah. And then, uh, as the ewes get slightly older we, we draw them in and um, we put like a, like a Texel ram or something on them then uh, and that's what we call our ground flock, that's what would be uh, farming, you know, what do we farm on the ground I believe. Yeah, so you've got the hill flock and then the ground flock. Yeah, that's right, yeah. So you came back about 15 years ago and you, you just kept with that system then until about four years ago? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I suppose when I came back 15 years ago, I was still doing the, the building alongside the farming then um, for a few years. So it's probably about 11 or 12 years since I've been here full time. Um, so yeah, it was um, I actually increased the supply cows a little bit then at the start when I came back. Um, just try to... Um, Tried to build them up a bit, but uh, we probably had them up to about 60 at, oh, at one point, yeah. um, uh, which isn't big numbers, but um, it was more than what we had before. Yeah. Um, but it was just, uh, yeah, it was just finding alongside the sheep, with the sheep obviously being our main enterprise, and it still is. Um, but uh, the, the cows were just too labour intensive, to be honest, um, for the for the staff we had here. And, um, and we find in, with these cattle, they are they are a lot easier to to manage, especially if you keep them in one bunch like we've been doing, and um, and uh, especially over lambing, we can get them fed in the mornings before before light, really, uh, no problem at all. And then they're done for the day. Then um, mm-hmm. and with, you know, it was with the cows. Uh, it was quite a busy time of year, cowing cows and lambing ewes at the same time. So, uh, yeah, yeah, so like because you got quite a lot of ewes to lamb, was it over? Yeah, it's about the two thousand years. We 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 tend to lamb, so uh, yeah, it, uh, so, so some indoors, but main, mainly outdoor lambing. We are. Yeah, so busy time then. So what um, so what happened four years ago? Then you sort of mentioned the system sort of changed then. Yeah, um, it was something I was looking into anyway, and then um, I was approached by Farming Connect to uh, become one of their demo farmers. And um, I suppose that's when I started working with precision grazing, really. Um, it was quite good timing for me because I was looking to change the system anyway. It was um, ideal to have that advice um, along the way. Did Farming Connect get you to become a monitor farm then? Well, uh, actually, they, they, they hired the shed off me to, um, to hold a, a separate event. Um, and when, we, when they were here, it was the time that they were looking for sheep and beef demo farmers and we just got talking and um, and uh, decided to have a go at it. Oh, so, fantastic. Yeah. And attending like the Farming Connect meetings and farm walks, is that something that you'd been doing over the years anyway yourself? Yeah, definitely. I've uh, found them very beneficial, to be quite honest. So uh, it, it was quite good to have the opportunity to, um, you know, to become a demo farmer and hopefully people have uh, found it interesting coming here to see what we've been doing and learn from our mistakes. Yeah, yeah. Mm. 
And what was the aim of your demo farm then? What were they going? What were they showcasing? And yeah, I, th- I think our main project was the you know the suckler cows to dairy beef really, um, and then we've done smaller projects off that, um, looking at various ways of receding and um, various ways of applying slurry, um, and just just making more from what we've got really. So the with the farming connect then of making more of what you've got um, sounds then really interesting but one of the areas is um, was where then precision grazing came involved and that was what you was just saying going from suckler beef to dairy crosses and finishing them so how did that conversation come about then yeah I think um, you know I think probably four or five years previous to that we'd done a lot of receding on the farm um, so we've got quite a lot of new lays and um, we were just trying to make a lot more of them really. So where precision grazing got involved, I suppose, was you know, we're setting up the infrastructure and doing the plan, um, mapping the farm out uh, for water points and where to put electric fences um, to be able to split the farm up into paddocks for rotational grazing. Yeah. So what were those new lays then? Were they looking at herbal lays or...? Um, at the time we hadn't done well we still haven't done much herbal lays really to be oh. quite honest um, okay. it's not something we've we've done a lot of to date it's something I'll probably be looking into in the future um, it's just been mainly like um, sort of four to five year um, ryegrass lays uh, with uh, red and white clover um, mixed into them is that a sort of mix that you would have had previously, or is, did that come with a demonstration farm? No, it, it was a mix that we'd been using um, for, for quite some time, really. Yeah. 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 So it's just trying to utilise that new grass growth better? That's what it was, yeah, really. And obviously, as we'd been round the receding, we'd, um, we'd sorted out the LPH and PK levels a bit. So, um, uh, you know, it was we was growing quite a bit of grass at the time, so it was... It's quite good to make use of it, really, and um, yeah. And uh, what were your pHs before then? Um, oh, I think we had some fields definitely down to five point five, five five point six, um, mm. and uh, yeah, we've. I think we're all up over six now. Anyway, oh. um, six to six point five. And how has that been achieved? Is that through lining? Yeah, lining. Then um, as we've been receded, really um, uh, putting it in the seedbed. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. So that's, so that's really good, isn't it, to get those um, pHs up. And then your P and K indexes, are they sort of round the two? Yeah, I, th- I think we're around the twos now, uh, uh, to be honest. Um, yeah, there's still a bit of room for improvement on, on them, probably, but um, it's definitely definitely going in the right direction. And um, again, is that was that doing the whole farm soil sampling with Farm and Connect, or was that... All- as well as that looking at more organic matter and more micronutrients in the soil or just a sort of standard? Yeah, and it was a standard soil sampling. And yes, we did do the whole farm um, uh, through Farming Connect about, I think it was about four years ago now. Yeah. Uh, so it was very useful. It gives us a, a picture of where we was at and what we needed to improve, really. Yeah. yeah. So with um, back to precision grazing then and then coming them coming on and helping the infrastructure and mapping out... Uh, was that working with Sarah from the start, Sarah Morgan? Yeah, at the start, um, it was with that, uh, David that was working for Precision Grazing. Okay. Um, so, uh, 
he was the one that mapped the farm out for me and got me started on well a, a, um, a software called Farmax. Oh yeah. Um, and then uh, I've probably been working with Sarah now for the last two years, I think, uh, since David left. So, yeah. yeah. And um, so, do you think this would have been something you would have done on your own, or have precision grazing like just helped direct you, or you know, a bit more hand holding, I suppose, to next. Yeah, I, I think uh, it's something I would have definitely tried to do on my own. Um, I would have definitely made a lot more mistakes along the way. So, um, you know, uh, I probably wouldn't be where I am now with it. So, I, no, I'm very grateful to have that, um, well, the funding through Farming Connect and then the help of Precision Grazing. Yeah. So. so what, as a like organisate or a company then, what did they bring with them then? You know what did they offer you that you might not yeah know? i think um i think we sat down around this table about four years ago with uh, with james um and david and uh, i made a plan of where we was going to go really i explained to them uh, a bit about my system um it's, we have used quite a lot of the again the, the farmac software um they advised me on grass measuring um which we've um which we've been doing uh, well every every fortnight then, and um, and give me a plan going forward then really off off the growth rates to how we can match that with uh, potential livestock numbers and um, and look at increasing numbers um, you know where we can yeah so you've mentioned the Farmax a few times what is that software doing then. Um, <laughs> that's a good question ah. um, it, it's, uh, it's, it's it's a rather complicated software it's one that uh, Sierra does help me a lot with to be quite honest but it's it's basically predicting um, predicting the future in a way really uh, it, it builds a picture of your farm given the data that you've put into it uh, year after year and it predicts your growth rates um, and what your average farm cover is going to be at, at any given time um, and then you can go into the software and update that as often as you want, really. So um, if I measure my farm, um, the grass on my farm, I can update Farmax. And then it, uh, it gives it a clearer picture then. So um, if Farmax is predicting the farm's going to be on 2000 and it ends up being on 1900, well, it, it changes the growth curve then and, the, you know, for the rest of the year then, really. Um, and, and it's, it's just a case of keeping that all up to date and keeping the livestock numbers and the weight of the livestock all up to date on there and it um, no it is a very useful tool uh you, you can do a lot of well you can do a lot more than i know to how to do on it to be yeah. quite honest so, yeah. and um so like when you go out every two weeks to do your grass measuring would you then input that data into that is that like through your phone or when you're out in the field that's right so i, I actually use another software called agrinet Oh yeah. Um, so um, that's where the data goes directly into. Um, I've got a Bluetooth plate meter, so that operates off an app on my phone and then goes directly to AgriNet. Um, that's that software is used more on a daily basis, I suppose. Really, you know, planning the the, the next week or two, really, and um, the rotation and where to move livestock to next. Um, so that's that's very useful for that, and then. Uh, and then that data is carried through onto Farmax then after. Oh, okay. So just they sort of working yeah, work together. together. Yeah. 
Um, how has the grass measuring gone? I mean, some people don't think, oh, we haven't got the time to do that. But what does that like grass measuring going out around the whole farm? What does what does that give you, if anything? Yeah, it's it is time consuming, um, but it is very beneficial. Um, to be quite honest, it, it gives you a picture of where you're at. Um, you know, and does it does it does make you you know does make you think about um, when you're going to run out of food really, and especially given the the dry summer that we've just had, it's it's been very useful to see um, you know how many days food we've got ahead of us, and um, and if we need to make changes really, as in selling livestock or bringing more livestock in, or maybe starting to supplementary feed uh, livestock, uh, or even bringing stock into the sheds. It's, it's a good tool. So having like the agri-net and the farmax and the grass measuring then, how did that make, obviously 2022 has been a really dry summer for us, how did that make your summer go maybe compared to, you know, neighbours or friends that you, you know, chatted to? Yeah, well, I suppose it, it, it helped me predict where I was going to be. Um, um, by looking at that software, you can actually see, you know, um, <laughs> you can see that you're, you're going to run out of grass in a week then, in the, in the case of this summer. Um, yeah. So it's, it's definitely helped with that. And obviously moving the stock around, even though there was very little growth, at least you was giving those fields a break, um, you, you know, for a little bit of grass to grow back, really. Um, so that's, that's definitely been a massive um, help, yeah. How is that then going to that rotational grazing or the sorry paddock grazing? I think I should call it, shouldn't I? Is um, how has that sort of changed how you view the farm or how you're using the farm? It, it probably has changed it quite a bit, to be honest, because um, we are actually finding that we're we're making a lot of use out of some fields which um, which was just overlooked before in a way. Yeah. Um, we did have some bigger fields, uh, probably 18, 20 acre fields, um, and definitely splitting them up into you know, four or five paddocks uh, has, um, has really improved the grass growth on them. And um, again, going back to this year, the, the, the drier year, obviously it's, um, you know, it's, you know, it's been a massive advantage really to, for that year. Yeah. So say that, um, was it 18? Hectares, do you say? Oh, acres. Acres, sorry. Me and my hectares and acres. Um, before, you would have just had that as sort of everyone set stocked in there for a yeah, length definitely. of time and then moved off. and. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, and of course, the sheep would be a lot more selective then on, on what they graze. And then we'd probably end up with uh, the grass going to head and losing quality then. So it's, it's quite good for that. Yeah. So with the paddock grazing, so would you say the quality of the grass has actually improved or oh yeah yes definitely uh, definitely would have because um you, you you're cutting that grass off every time similar to mowing in a way really yeah. you're taking it down to that same height and then you're having that regrowth back um you know within like sort of three to four weeks mm. depending on how long your rotation is when you get back into that field then uh, you, you know you've got a, a similar thing to aftermath in a way really yeah. um, come back every time so, yeah. and how are the clovers uh working in that system is it red and white or are you just a white clover mix um we do have some red clovers um that's been more in silage and ground to be quite honest but okay. um 
it, we, we've got white clover in all our in all our mixes, and uh, no, it seems to be coping quite well with it. Really, um, mm. I think the plant quite enjoys that uh, you know that break and um, yeah. gives it a chance to to get going a bit then, really. Yeah. And have you sort of seen cha- any changes in um, like water infiltration or your <laughs> organic matter levels? That or even if they're sort of like you know, obviously today it's like a a wet misly day. Are there some fields that previously you would have seen and thought oh you know you could see the water sitting on them whereas like now you're noticing well you're not noticing the same so i definitely am seeing water sitting on this summer <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah no, it, it, it must help organic matter but yeah. um to be quite honest with you it, it, it must do but um i, I know uh, one thing it does help prevent is poaching on the ground so, so like especially with the cattle um if you can keep them moving on quickly um, in autumn, as it gets wetter, uh, mm. sometimes we move them twice a day. Oh, right. um, so it's, it's just shortening that on time, really. Yeah. Um, so we'll um, split the paddocks up a little bit smaller and finding that uh, just turning the cattle in for you know, 12 hours, they're grazing and then they're moving on and they're not um, standing around the, you know, the corners of the fields and the gateways and things, poaching it up. Mm-hmm. So that's, um, that's definitely helped. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Are you sort of going into the field with your spade and digging any? profiles to look at the root depths or anything like that yeah we, we have done a bit of that yeah and i think that's one thing we probably need to improve on i think i think perhaps we need to start using some grasses that um that are a bit deeper rooting um but that's something to look into for the future really yeah i talked to quite a few farmers about you know looking at electric fence grazing and paddocks etc and a lot of them say oh but we haven't got the water and you did mention that precision grazing helped get the water points mapped in place but how did you go about actually inputting those on to the yeah I, th- I think the water is probably the biggest problem um i think uh um we may have had water in every field but it would have been in one corner of every field so since we split the fields all up into paddocks then um obviously there's a lot of work piping and uh and things and no we're not there yet with that um to be quite honest it's um it's something that we are improving all the time um we put several water troughs in last winter and I've got a plan to do more this winter, um, but it's um, yeah, it is definitely a, a limited factor on a lot of farms. I think that is. Yeah. So were you were you on troughs in every field previously anyway, and you're feeding off those troughs, or was were you reliant on streams and the river and things? Yeah, well, it, it was a bit of both, um, to be quite honest. Um, we had some troughs, and uh, and the river. So we we have tried to set the paddocks up. So that um, you know we can run as many to those troughs and the river access points as possible, really, um, and then just added extra troughs in from there. Yeah. yeah, and is that a permanent trough or is that like one of these drive and drops moves around the paddocks? Yeah. What we've done so far has been mainly permanent, um, but going on to another block of land, which we're which we're going to do this winter. There probably will be some drag troughs in that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So why did you go down that permanent trough route? Because I'm sure that's a greater investment than a bit of blue pipe and a drag and drop, is it? Yeah, maybe. Um, I suppose um, with different stock groups and things, um, having that trough in the paddock, you know, ready to go, then uh, it's there all the time. And, um, you know, uh, sometimes we, we may have sheep or, or cattle or whatever. So it, um, no, it, it definitely just makes things a bit easier, really. And... I think I've always been for, you know, with this rotational grazing, trying to make things a lot easier and um, get, get things set up in the winter um, with the fences and the troughs, really, so that hopefully there isn't too much 
fences to move around through the summer and the same with the troughs then because uh, it's you know we can't get a bit too busy and yeah. from April onwards to be to be doing it really so the more we've got in place before then uh, the better for us. So. so with the electric fencing then have you got some permanent fence um, <coughs> wide around the outside so it's not you're not moving that every day or what's the fencing system based on? Yeah so um, when we had the farm mapped um, we tried to keep quite a simple system where we had a lot of smaller fields anyway so we left them as they were as in like four to five acre fields and then just split the big ones up really so the ones that we split up we tend to put the fences up um, at the start of the year in January and they just stay up then really um, as the they'd be like um, so we're running the wrapper um, electric fences system okay uh, so we've got the thing on the on the quad bike for putting, oh, for yeah. putting that up um, but once we put it up um, the majority of the fields unless we turn off them for silage um, it tends to stay up for the grazing season then yeah so then they'll be rotating around just that same system again yeah that's right yeah. and that, is that just for the um the cattle or is that are you have you got sheep on the system as well now the sheep would be on the system as well uh yeah we try when we put the fences up we try and put the majority up as three strand and then we can use it for cattle or sheep then yeah. so, so, yeah. bit of uh, flexibility with the system so just tell me about like how many cattle and what 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 are they um what have, what have you brought into the system that's it. So we, each year we're having in 150 Angus cattle, Angus cross um, dairy cattle. Um, so they'd be coming into me in the spring, roughly sort of end of March, uh, beginning of April. And then um, we'd get them straight out the grass then and um, try and have as good a grazing season as we can then through that first summer. And then uh, we've changed to like a multi-cut uh, silage system. So we try and make as good a silage as what we can. And um, minimise the boring and concentrates then for the winter really, and then they'd be wintered in on um, on slats um, and uh, on on uh, the whole crop and the silage that we grow here, okay. and um, a small amount of blend mixed in with that, uh, as little as possible really, um, and then uh, back out again. Back out or or. Um, or maybe uh, finish before they go back out, depending on their weight the following spring, really. We'd be aiming for about a kilo a day, live weight gain, average throughout the whole year. Yeah. Um, and you're getting that off the grazing system as well, that kilo a day? Yeah, that's right. So the, the, this year, um, we've actually averaged 0.9 a day um, out of grass. Um, but obviously, uh, it has been a bit, um, a bit of an extreme year. Um, yeah. The, you know, they have, haven't had as much grass as I'd like to have, for them to have had. Um, but I, I hope we'll make up for it now. But, um, we've got some quite nice silage for them to go on to, so hopefully they'll um, push on a bit now for the winter. Yeah, yeah. Oh, excellent. Um, and have they... Obviously, you're getting rid of the circle herd, so have they been a good addition to your system then? I think they fit in quite well. Um, and I, I know I'm going back to the to the labour side of things again, but I think um, you know they do fit in along the along the sheep for that purpose really. Um, they are just a lot less labour intensive than suckler cows, so yeah. I think um, I think that's the main reason really. Yeah, and you still have uh, some working with you, you still have members of staff. Yeah, we do. We do have one, uh, one member of staff yeah. full time. That's right. Yeah. And how did uh, they take to the new um, sort of paddock grazing system? Yeah, well, the, the, they actually wasn't here before. Um, 
so, so um, they're from a farming background, so um, where they didn't uh, do the paddock raising, so the, uh, they've had to learn it as well, uh, the same as me, really. So, uh, along with side so, with uh, you, then, is it? Yeah, that's right. So um, we're, we're getting there. <laughs> yeah, and because um, I should imagine what and like, because getting people to come on the journey with you isn't it really? Um, but do you think? Maybe it's a bit different because you did it via a demonstration farm with Farm Connect, sort of. So you probably did quite a lot of support. Do you think from them as? Yeah, definitely. I, I think you've got to have people that are interested in it as well, and you, um, you know, yeah. and, uh, if if you're interested, then uh, you know we tend to learn these things, don't we? So, yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. And how do you feel, sort of, um, moving forward? Obviously, we're seeing some of the basic payment scheme payments are reducing, and or single farm payments. With this system, how is it benefiting you going forward with that, do you think? Yeah, I, I think um, we're definitely able to carry a lot more stock on this system. Um, and, of course, we haven't got the the cost of keeping the cow. So all the stock, so the 150 cattle that I am having in, I am selling. Um, so there's definitely a lot more income from that. Um, so we're definitely in a better position than what we would have been four years ago. Yeah. Um, but, but no, we're definitely not, um, we definitely wouldn't be happy to see the, to see the single farm payment uh, disappear, I'm yeah. afraid, no. Yeah, no. okay. Um, and you sort of say like, you're, you, you've you got more grass yield though, from, do you say you're able to keep more stock? Cause, uh, is that because due to higher grass yields? Yeah, definitely, that's right. Uh, growing more grass and obviously uh, managing it a bit better. Um, is, is probably the, the main reasons and then uh, like I say not having to keep the the, the cows um, for, for the year yeah, yeah. For the year as well so like your management has changed with the system so like what did you have to get your head around then going from that stocking um, how long would you traditionally left stocking the field for on that one field yeah it was um you know, they could have been in the field for a couple of weeks before, really, I suppose, yeah. um, or until, until, the, you know, until they looked like they needed moving, um, until, until the grass had gone. Um, whereas now it's, uh, like I say, um, it's probably moved every day or two now, so yeah. it's, it's quite a difference, really. Yeah. yeah, and so how did you get your, like, head around that? Oh, quite difficult, um, to be quite honest. It's quite difficult. It, uh, it's a complete change of system, especially with the sheep um, in the spring. Yeah, we, we do tend to still set stock the, the sheep over the lambing period, um, give them a bit more room um, for lambing, and then uh, tends to be at, um, you know, when the lambs are about sort of a month to five weeks old, we start to um, to bunch them up then and um, and get them into a little rotation. Um, uh, so that's, that's then how we do it. Yeah. yeah. So like, are you making bigger groups than you might have done previously to move round? Are they... Yeah, definitely yeah. from from the beginning of May, I'd say onwards. Really, they'd be a lot bigger groups and a lot less groups. Um, and uh, I, I would say the sheep we do find are definitely harder to train on the electric fencing than the cattle. Oh, are they? Yeah, yeah we we find these cattle very good, really. Um, you know, give them a couple of days, and um, and they're pretty good. Um, and if the battery runs flat, then uh, there's a fair chance they won't notice. Yeah. For a few hours, where's the sheep will notice in, in five minutes? So they probably uh, just hear it click on, yeah, don't they? Yeah, and off they yeah, go. <laughs> so, so they are definitely a bigger challenge, we're finding. Uh, yeah. 
And did, um, so with precision grazing coming in, was it that them looking at the whole farm? So, you know, from the hill down to the land around the farm here, did they take all of that into consideration and look at the tweaking all the systems? Yeah, I, th- I think um, I think I think they had to look at it as a whole. Really, it was um, it's a rather complicated business in that way because I do have due to the hill flock, I do have quite a lot of sheep coming on and off the farm at different times of the year. But um, yeah, we got our heads around that and then um, just made a plan then really for what we was going to do with the stock that was on the ground. Um, so I, I would say the sheep was more complicated to work out than the cattle, because yeah. um, with 150 cattle, they are here for for the 12 months really. Um, so it's, it's quite easy to um, to work out the, their demand, um, you know, through the grazing season. Where's the sheep? Um, I do. They go back and forth to the hill really at different yeah. times. So. Yeah, and with that um, sort of looking at it as the whole. Um, whole farm then has it made you look at the farm differently because obviously when you've grown up on the farm and worked here you sort of get there's that potential to be set in the way of well that's what we've done you know and now someone's come in and made you look at it differently how was that yeah definitely um, like I say the, the looking at the fields definitely I suppose for one thing really um, you know we used to have fields where you'd have cows in and that's all you do with them fields really for the year whereas now every field's the same and uh, the stock do rotate around them the same really um we obviously got various fields that we can't silage but other than that um it, you know it's um it, it is just one farm really now yeah so, uh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, uh, definitely. so no field is sort of isolated then really for just one job no, no, it isn't, to be quite honest. Um, no, so say that field that you, you know, just used to carve in, what changes have you seen to that field then, if that was just a carving field? Yeah, I think, um, well, that's probably a bad example because the, the fields that we carved in were probably the better fields. Oh, but, okay. Um, but, but, but maybe fields that um, we used to just run hill use around. Yeah. Um, that's probably a better example. Um, I, I suppose... Uh, you know, we've got cattle into, into them fields now and that's definitely helping the ground and helping the grass. Um, yeah. You know, by uh, rotation grazing them cattle around those fields as well, you know, the, the muck is going back on and it's got to be helping the organic matter. Things, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. What advice would you say, give to farmers who were like maybe looking at this sort of system, like looking over hedges and seeing you with your fences and what have you, how would you encourage them or would you encourage them into this sort of system yeah i i definitely say to get that advice from day one really and um i I admit i probably wouldn't have had it if i wouldn't have been farming connect funded but looking back um it was something that i should have done you know regardless of the funding really so i would say any funding you can get obviously grab it and um and even if you can't get the funding, then it's it would be still beneficial to you know to get that advice from day one and to because it you know it is a big change of system and um, you know it's, it's worth getting it right really isn't it uh, from the start. Yeah. What would you say though um, has been your return on investment? Well, we, we were quite lucky, as in with the infrastructure investment. I suppose we did have a lot of um, electric fencing before, because oh, okay. um, we uh, we've always used it through the winter um, on another farm, um, so, so that was quite handy. Um, so we haven't had a massive investment with that really. 
Um, so it's just been a case of putting it in place and, um, and obviously I had the funding through Family Connect for the advice. So it's been a bit of but even sort of like you know the return on the time to sit and learn to use like agrinet or the farmax and take place part in meetings because obviously when you're a demo farm you you know you've got to sort of give time um but then you are receiving time and advice in return so like even just on that you know because changing that system takes time doesn't it but can you th- yeah so yeah, there's a return I, I, on that a oh, massive return i would like to put a figure on it to be quite honest with you because mm. uh no it is a, yeah definitely a, a big return on that isn't it yeah. i mean yeah. the benefits far outweigh oh definitely yeah. definitely yeah, yeah. I, i'd never go back um i'd never go back to what we was doing before mm-hmm. anyway oh, so, no definitely not because yeah. again i uh, am talking to oh it takes time i haven't got time to do that have you actually gained time back do you think from this system yeah, as I say, I think the main thing for me has been it's had to be simple and it's had to work. And I think for us here, it was a case of whatever we was going to do, it had to be set up during the winter months. And yeah, it may have involved using a bit more electric fencing, um, but it had to be set up ready then for when we get into busy time. You know, and you've got to be realistic with that. Um, there's no point in sitting here thinking we can move electric fences every day um, when we can't. Uh, so it's just a case of getting that set up and, um, and making it work there, maybe. So are you pretty much set up for the whole grazing system? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we, oh, you're, we'd, you're be set up, um, we'd be set up in January for that year. I mean, uh, um, okay. the, the, the fields change due to uh, different cropping and, um, you know, we plant some root crops and things in fields. So uh, the fields will change every year, but whatever fields we pick for grazing then that year would be set up then in January really. yeah because so, yeah. like some people are maybe two or three days ahead but your system set everything's in place yeah I, I mean but, but then we are maybe on um, you know we could be in some fields grazing them for three or four days so there's there's plenty of room for improvement I mean we yeah. could um, we could move the fences more often and um, and probably get a better return on it but as I say at the moment it just um, is simple and it works yeah uh, yeah yeah what would be one piece of advice that you'd give to other farmers then? Who might be? Well, as I say, I, I would say to, to, to get that advice from the start, really, even when you're just thinking about doing it. Yeah. Get in touch with the precision grazing and, um, it, you know, and uh, get their opinion on it. And... What surprised you most about this sort of system or this journey? Um... I think it's been the, the growth rates of the cattle, to be quite honest. Um, when you're used to farming the, uh, the sort of the limousine cross um, uh, blue cattle, then they obviously look, they look nice cattle from the day they're born, really. Yeah. Um, obviously, these dairy cross ones don't. Um, um, but it's been a case of you know, sit, you know, sticking with them. And once they seem to get to that 500 kilos, they seem good cattle at the end of the day and um, you know and we as I say we've been achieving probably higher growth rates with these than what we was with our oh. with our suckler bread um, cows yeah uh, maybe a bit to do with the way we farm these I'm not saying the you know keeping that fresh grass in front of them all the time um, but no I, th- I think that has surprised me really yeah. Um, yeah what was the most challenging thing about changing to this system Probably get my head around it to start, and um, I'm working out stocking rates, and um, you know, ju- ju- just working out 
especially with the cattle. Um, obviously, we went from, well, I think when we made the change was on about 50 suckler cows. So I think to go from 50 suckler cows to 150 of these yeah. cattle was just took a bit of getting your head around, really. But, um, but obviously, with the suckler cows, we had the young stock as well. Um, so it was um, it was a case of uh, just working at it, making sure we could keep them and make enough silage for these really through the winter. Yeah, and I suppose that's where the help with precision grazing and James and Sarah and have yeah. sort of help with that. And are you part of a discussion group? Yeah, we are part of the um, the Prosper from Pasture uh, group that precision grazing are running. Yeah. Um, so that's that's where you saw we have a few meetings a year and I speak to farmers as doing a doing a similar thing to what to what I'm doing. Uh, so that those groups are very good for that, really. Yeah. yeah. What do you get from that group? Well, it's good to you know very often the the problems that we are seeing here, you go and chat to them and it's a similar problem on their farm. Um, obviously this summer we've all had the same problem, but you uh, you know it's been quite uh, it's quite good then really to uh, to just talk to people. Always good to talk. <laughs> well, it is, and, and uh, you know with with those groups we managed to get our farm and and go and see other people's systems a bit and see um, see what they're doing and learn from that as well. So, yeah. yeah, how important has that been to be able to go onto other people's farms? Oh, very important. I think that's uh, one of the most important things for me, to be quite honest. Um, you know, I'm, I, I kind of, I'm someone that needs to see something uh, for my own eyes. Um, uh, I think being able to do that has been, yeah, brilliant, really. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm the same, really. It's always good to go and see it. And I suppose doing the demonstration farm, you were giving that back as well to allow other farmers to come and want to see your farm. Yeah, that's right. We, we managed to hold well, two open days. It was obviously a bit of a strange time to become a, oh, a, a demo farm with, yeah. the, with the lockdowns, but, um, but no, we have held uh, two anyway. Um, and you'll be taking those learnings forward with you? Oh, definitely. The, you know, the, the, the things we've learned here over the last three years, as I said, I, I'd never go back from that and uh, we just build on that now really going forward. Yeah, and what sort of things are you hoping to do in the, the so in the next five years? What would be what would you be looking at next? Yeah, I, th- I think it's it's just concentrate on our water probably to start and just get make sure all these paddocks have got water in them. Um, maybe split some up a little bit further, and um, uh, yeah, look to just improving what we've got really. Yeah. And, uh, go from there. Excellent. Well, it sounds like it's been a really positive change for you and the farm and hopefully the, the business as well and uh, yeah long may that continue so thank you very much for your time i hope you enjoyed our conversation it's really so great to meet farmers making positive changes to their farm if you want to start making these changes then contact precision grazing at www.precisiongrazing.com to book your free consultation this really is one phone call that you won't regret